You're listening to the Adult and Teen Challenge of the Upper Cumberland Podcast. Now, your weekly message from Pastor Tim McLaughlin. Praise God. We're excited that you're joining us on our podcast today. I want to thank everybody for listening. I hope you're enjoying it. hope you enjoyed our last series that we just finished up on faith that pleases God. I want to speak to you today about five steps to miracle thinking. Uh, We live in a day and age right now where uh, people just don't believe in miracles much anymore. People have put their trust in in doctors, and there's nothing wrong with doctors, but uh, we've put our trust more in doctors than we have God. We've put our trust more in products or medicine or, or other things than we do putting our trust in God, believing that God still wants to to move in our lives. So let's get right to the Word of God. If you have your Bibles this morning or wherever you're listening, if you've got your phone app, open your Bible, your phone app to Hebrews 2. We're going to look at verses 1 through 4. Hebrews 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. Father, we thank you again for this wonderful day that you've given us. We thank you for the word of God that is powerful. It is rich. Lord, it transforms our lives. I thank you for the opportunity that you've given me to teach. And I pray for those that are listening. Give them ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive all that the Spirit of the Lord is saying through me to them. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So verse number one says, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. Now, how many of us know someone or maybe ourselves who've heard the word, but we don't let it seek into our heart? Uh, You know someone, you know, they've been in church for a while, but they just still struggle. You can tell by the way that they they say things, the way that they talk. Or maybe you, you're listening and you say, you know, my my talk is just not edifying. I know that the Word says that God wants to heal. I know that the Word of God says He'll supply my needs. I know what the Word says, but yet I've just not let it sink down into my heart. And because it hasn't sunk down into my heart, it hasn't been rooted in my heart, that Word begins to drift away. I want to start by admonishing you that we need to heed what we hear. We need to heed what we hear. We need to grab a hold of what we hear. We need to store it in our hearts. The Bible says in Psalms, it says, it says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We need to heed the word of God, store it into our hearts so that we can prove out through our actions what the word of God says. Uh, Romans 12, 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove. What is the Word of God? So we need to prove it out. We do so by our actions and by our words and by the things that we we do, proving that we believe that which we have read and that which we have heard. Verse 4 says, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. Now the word miracle is defined as a wonder or a marvel. 
an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs, an extremely outstanding or unusual event, thing, or accomplishment. I like this part. A miracle is a divinely natural phenomenon experienced humanly as the fulfillment of spiritual law. I stress this word miracle today because one, I believe miracles, I believe in miracles and I believe that God still does them in our day and time today. And two, I believe that most of the world has no idea what a real miracle is. Again, you know, we've gotten so to the point, you know, we've named things miracle whip, miracle cleaner, miracle diets, miracle drugs. We use all these things, yet we, we really don't have an understanding of what a real miracle is. We assume that a miracle is just a word and we lose the power behind what God has intended for it. For those that do not believe in miracles to the extent we assume that they are uh, burning bush experiences, Red Sea party, mighty Russian winds, cloven tongues, or, or those type of things. Uh, th those things have gone away with, that we no longer have those type of miraculous things in our life. But the fact of the matter is, God's miraculous presence is still with us throughout our day-to-day -day lives now. I'm not saying we may ever see another burning bush. We may not ever have another mighty Russian wind that parts a, uh, or see the wind parting a Red Sea or a cloven tongue. We may not see those things, but God is still working miracles before us today. But we've been so blinded by the enemy and by the, the watering down of the word in our world today that we don't see the, the, the presence of God and the miracles of God that are taking place right in front of us each and every day. Every single day, God protects us from harm. Every day we have godsidences, not coincidences, godsidences that take place in our life. We call them coincidence, but God moves in our lives every single day and opens up opportunities for us. Every day, and even at this very minute, we're sitting here and you're breathing, you're listening, you're, you're not having to concentrate and tell yourself, okay, breathe, breathe. Your body is naturally, your body is a miracle from God. Your whole circulatory system is a miracle from God. You're, the fact that you can drive and you can listen to this or, or you're sitting in your uh, office, you're studying, you're, you're drinking coffee and you're listening to this and you can still hear birds chirp and you can still hear an airplane. God has so equipped us, we are a miracle and yet we take so many things for granted. King David said in Psalms 139, verse 14 through 18. Psalm 139, verses 14 through 18 says, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet un unformed, and your book they all are written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Man, I love that. Psalm 139. How marvelous are your works! We are fearfully and wonderfully made. How precious are God's thoughts towards us! We are a created being 
We did not morph. We did not. Uh, we did not come from apes. We did not come from some amoeba that that turned into something different. No, we we are children of God, created in His image. The Bible tells us that God came down from heaven, formed the sand, breathed into our nostrils, and man became a living being. Man, God God created us with with the imaginations with our heart and our circulatory system and everything that we have. No other creature here on earth did God breathe into his nostrils. Every other creation, God spoke and it came. But for us, God touched us and breathed into us. God has made us so wonderfully complex and knew us before we were born according to Jeremiah 1.5. And he has great plans according to Jeremiah 29.11. Jeremiah 1.5, he says, He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. And Jeremiah 29.11, he says, The plans that I have for you are good, not of evil. King David said in verse 17, How precious also are your thoughts to me. Why then do so few of us believe in and ultimately receive miracles? A, because we don't know how to ask. B, because we don't understand the laws that surround them. And C, we take our lives for granted without recognizing how truly miraculous they are. So today, quickly, I want to give you five steps to miracle thinking. Go to Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. And let's look at this. Maybe you're driving down the road and you can't go uh, to your Bible right now. But uh, hopefully you'll come back and you'll listen to this and you'll be able to, to take some notes. And uh, hopefully this can help some people out there. So if we could, if you have your Bible, if you have your app, flip over to Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. I want to read this real quickly. And it says, And again, he, Jesus, entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even hear the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. I love this story of these friends uh, caring so much for their friend that they, they could not get in, they couldn't press in, but they believed in the power of Jesus. And they said, If we could just get our friend before him, they tore open the roof and they lowered him down. And Jesus spoke. And the Bible says immediately the man rose and carried his bed out. So let's look at five steps out of this story to miracle thinking. 
Number one, you need to discover who you are in Christ. You need to discover who you are in Christ. Just as Jesus began this miracle for the paralytic by forgiving his sins, so he begins every spiritual blessing for us by receiving our repentance and asking him to be Lord of our lives. If you haven't yet asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and be Lord of your life, that's the first step. You need to know who you are in Christ. You need to know without a shadow of a doubt that you're born again and that the Spirit of the living God lives in you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So the first question you must answer is, Who are you in Christ? Are you born again? The second step to miracle thinking is we must think and believe in specifics, not in generalities. Miracle thinking requires that we care enough about the request that we are making to do our homework and know exactly where we stand and specifically what we are asking. In the story of Mark chapter 2, the men knew their friend had to be in front of Jesus so outside the door would not do so. They had to get to the roof. They had to believe that their friend was in front of Jesus. If their friend was in front of Jesus, he would be healed. Notice in the Gospels how many times Jesus asked people, What do you want? He is God. He already knows what we have need of. Many times our need is evident, but Jesus still asked, What do you have need of? If you look at Mark chapter 10, verse 46 through 52 is the story of blind Bartimaeus. It was evident that Jesus could see that this man was blind. Yet in verse 51, he said, what do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus was specific, that I may receive my sight. And when he was specific, Jesus healed him. What if blind Bartimaeus was fine with being blind and his need was bigger than or more than, than, than him seeing? Maybe it was a family member that was sick, deathly sick, and he needed Jesus to touch them. And Jesus just assumed that, that blind Bartimaeus wanted to get his sight. So he asked, what is it that you would have me to do? And blind Bartimaeus told me, he said, I want to receive my sight. And Jesus did so. We need to be specific about what we want and not make religious comments like, well, God knows what I need or what I'm thinking, so I don't need to ask. James 4, 2 says, you have not because you ask not. Ask if you want to receive your miracle. Be specific. Don't operate in generalities. Step number three to miracle thinking, set a time frame for your miracle. Set a time frame. Now, this doesn't mean that you demand, Lord, do it by 8 p.m. tonight. What it does mean is that you're cooperating with God by learning to use patience together with expectation. In other words, not all of Jesus' miracles happen instantaneously. If you go to Mark chapter 8, verse 22 through 25, it says, Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought to him a blind man, and he begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand, led him out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes and he put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he's restored and saw everyone clearly. See, the man had faith to believe that Jesus could heal him. 
And we know that the Son of God had the power to heal him. So why did it take Jesus touching him twice? You know, maybe it was just that the man needed to learn some patience. Maybe it was, you know, there, there were some other things that Jesus was teaching. I think so many times we, we get into this impatient thing. We want it right now. Maybe you've been overweight for 20 years and you want God to do something in your life right now, but you understand it takes time. You know, I run an adult and teen challenge with Upper Cumberland. Many of the men and women we minister to have been struggling with life-controlling issues for years. This is a 14-month discipleship program. It takes time. God is still working a miracle in their life, but sometimes if God does it too quick, we don't really understand the process and appreciate the process that it went through to receive what we have. Other times, I believe, you know, there, there are people that are that are have cancer, or maybe uh, they're they're struggling with other issues that are severe health issues, and we pray and we want it right now. But there's some other things that they need to get lined up in their life before that miracle takes place. So we need to understand that God is in control. Set a time frame for your miracle. Then begin to speak it out. Have a a confident expectation with patience that God is in control. If he says he's going to heal, just because you didn't get it today, just because it's not coming or didn't come tomorrow, God has still heard you and he's going to do it. There's been several times in my life. I remember one time I had this, this issue came up and I ended up spending a week in the hospital. And I started praying, and I had other people praying for me. And uh, after a year of going to doctors and, 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 and just seeing all these different specialists, I had a lady come to me at Vanderbilt Hospital, and she said, Sir, all we can tell you is you had a bad day. Now that day, I was sitting there. I couldn't talk. I felt like I was maybe having a stroke. My blood pressure was up. But at the end of it all, they said, Your blood pressure is fine. You didn't have a stroke. Everything in your body's functioning perfectly. A lot of people would want to question, well, why did that happen? Listen, I was rejoicing and praising God for my healing. I don't know when it took place, but I believed as soon as we begin to pray, God began to work in my life. The fourth step to miracle thinking is visualize the miracle as having already attained. Visualize the miracle as having already been attained. Mentally see your miracle complete. This doesn't mean that we stop everything that you're doing to the point of doing nothing. It actually means just the opposite. In almost every miracle Jesus performed, he required either the person receiving the miracle or others around them to take a positive action. Again, in Mark chapter 2, the friends did something. They ripped off the roof. The paralytic did something. He allowed them to lower him down. What happened? Jesus saw their faith and healed the man. James chapter 1 verse 6 says, But let him ask in faith without doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. The waves of the sea are never stable, and an unstable person rushes, an unstable person rushes from place to place, never committed to one thing. An unstable person is one that will believe God has touched them tonight, but then will doubt at it, first thing in the morning. Uh, They will doubt it the first time they have a sign of pain. They will doubt it the first time things just don't go their way. We can't have doubt. We got to believe that that if God said it so, if the Word of God says it so, if we've prayed and we've asked and we believe that Jesus answers and He does, that we are healed regardless maybe what our symptoms or what our doctor or what others around us may be telling us. Again, I've, I've had times in my life where personally I, I've prayed and, and it took some time. 
But I began to visualize what was going to take place. Like I said earlier, when, when I had that incidence in that day back in 2016, I began to visualize while I laid in that hospital what it was going to be like when I walked out and what God was going to do in my life. I have laid hands on people and I've tried to convince them, visualize yourself walking without a limp. Visualize yourself being able to bend without your back hurting. Visualize yourself not having to wear a, a leg brace or a back brace. Ask God, believe that it's so, set a time frame, have an expectation and patience, and then begin to visualize yourself walking as the healed of God in Christ Jesus. We must believe and not doubt. The promises of God are not based on sight or feeling, but they are based on His Word. Number five, be totally committed to your miracle. Be totally committed to your miracle. The word commit means to obligate or to pledge oneself or working to perform something. Again, in Mark 2, the man and his friends were committed and nothing could deter them. They were going to get their friend in front of Jesus one way or another, and it took them going through the roof. Psalm 37, verse 5 through 9 says, Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the new day. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Friends, when we commit ourselves to our miracle, we pledge ourselves to the position of the recipient, expecting God to fulfill His word and that we will receive what we have asked. Nothing comes to pass without the intervention of God's grace. But with miracle thinking and prayer, we can prepare ourselves to live in the realm of the miraculous. Would you be willing to go above the crowd, rip off the roof, and lay at the feet of the miracle-working Savior. Put these five steps into practice. Begin to discover who you are in Christ today. Believe and think in specifics, not generalities. Set a time frame for your miracle, but also walk in patience. Visualize that the miracle has already taken place in your life and be totally committed to the miracle that you have asked from God. Father, I thank you again for your word that is truth. I thank you for those that have heard it. I pray that it uh, does something in them and transforms their lives. I thank you, Father God, for the ability and the technology to get the word of God out. And I pray today, if there's anybody out there that does not know you as Lord and Savior, that today is the day of salvation, that they would call us. We want to pray for you. Or if there's anybody out there sick and you're trusting for God for a miracle today, call us. We want to pray for you also. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in their lives. If you have a prayer request, if you want us to pray for you for anything, please call us toll-free, 888-688-0470, extension 102. Or you can find us on the web at teenchallengeuc.org and send us an email. We love you. We appreciate you. Thanks for listening. God bless you. Till next time. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about this ministry or consider supporting, 
visit us at teenchallengeuc.org.